All right, well, thank you everybody for joining us this morning. For those that may be listening at home, welcome to uh, our services this morning, and hopefully we will be able to bring a message that will be profitable for those that are all here in attendance and those that may be listening on their computers at home. Um, something that, uh, that's been on my mind for the last couple of days and just thinking about uh, some of the songs that were mentioned, uh, I've really enjoyed uh, getting the songs and reading the songs throughout the week. Uh, I encourage, and I probably need to do better at blasting out messages of songs I've received so that everybody else can take time to read things and, and uh, maybe engage a little bit in what uh, maybe some of the thoughts that I've had throughout the week. Um, but as, uh, if you have your Bibles, you're going to be turning to 1 John chapter 1. That's where I'm going to spend a majority of the time this morning. And in thinking about what is written in the book of 1 John, uh, John, he's, uh, he's, he's writing, uh, and, he, and several times he says throughout the first couple of chapters that I'm writing unto you because of this. I'm writing to, you, my ch- to, my, to, the, to the men. I'm writing to the young men. I'm writing to the children. I'm writing to my friends that they would also enjoy the same fellowship that God, uh, that, that, he is, that, the, that John was uh, blessed to have in fellowship with, with the Spirit of God and, and the things that he knew. Uh, I think it's important for us to take a step back and realize sometimes uh, why, you know, asking ourselves questions like, why do we come to worship? Uh, what are we here to do? Uh, here, who are we here to glorify? What, uh, what can I not only put into the service? Because this, each and every one of us has a personal uh, engagement in the service, whether it be by singing, whether it's silent prayer, whether it's public prayer, whether it's something that, you know, again, it, this is a time that we set aside personally to worship and to focus on God for just a little while. And I'm often reminded about something that is written, that is recorded for us over in the book of John, not in 1 John, but in the book of John. Jesus comes to a Samaritan woman, and uh, there's a statement that he says to her. There's a lot that I could talk about in that, and I think it's the fourth chapter. It is in the fourth chapter, but I'm going to focus mainly on a couple of statements that uh, Jesus uh, speaks to her when, it, when, uh, when he's at Jacob's well. He comes to her and, and tells the woman, give me drink. And so... Uh, so she ends up, uh, they end up talking a little bit about this water and Jesus makes a statement to her and says, this is, he says, you know, woman, if you, if you drink of this water, you shall thirst again. He says, but if you will drink of the water that I could give you or that I shall give you, you shall never thirst for it will be like a well of springing water that is filling you up inside. And sometimes I think we need to understand maybe the deeper meaning of what uh, Jesus is talking about to the woman there, uh, that uh, sometimes we do need natural things. I need natural food. We need natural drink. We need things to sustain us. Uh, but even Jesus himself said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by the very every word of the Son of God. And we have to make sure that we realize that there is purpose in this word. There is purpose in us reading it. There's purpose in us studying it. It's purpose in, there's purpose into us clinging to it and making sure that we're studying and reading in such a way that we're trying to get not only the deeper things of what God is telling us, but even some of the most basics. I think sometimes we miss out on the very basic teachings of what God has uh, given us here. And John is going to write this epistle in 1 John chapter 1, and he's going to tell you about some things here that he personally witnessed. Uh, I think sometimes back to my, my uh, I guess, early childhood, I guess I could talk about the, the trips that uh, Dad had, uh, would take us on when we were children. We'd go to the Grand Canyon or to Yellowstone and different places. And I can remember as we were driving place, certain places, Dad would tell us stories of his childhood from where he, you know, he had been there. And so he would tell us, we, hadn't, we haven't gotten to the destination yet. We hadn't gotten to this particular thing yet. But yet he would say, tell us stories about his eyewitness accounts that he experienced as a child when he was going around with Herbert and Lucille and they were taking them around for these vacations. And sometimes when I'm not, we could talk about court cases today and we could talk about witnesses, but if I were to give you a witness account of something, uh, you would have to ask yourself, like, I'm telling you what I saw with my own eyes, or I'm telling you something that I was there and I saw it. I'm not telling you something that was hearsay. I'm not telling you something that I heard from somebody, from somebody else and somebody else. I'm the eyewitness account to an event, and I'm giving you a testimony that says, I was there. People in, in, in the world today, uh, with all so much violence that's going on, just to make one instance in, in a court-related ev- uh, instance, I should say, is that lawyers love a very good eyewitness account. Well, we have a bunch of eyewitness accounts here 
Paul would testify about it in the 15th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians where he was seen of the 12 and then over 500 and all the witnesses that saw Jesus walking. And, and so John's going to start out by saying here, that which was from the beginning, that, that which we've heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled of the word of life. He's telling you that I saw Jesus, that I was there. I saw that, that he's real, that he was a person, that I actually was there in his presence. I was taught of him. I saw him with my own eyes. I've actually touched him. I've handled it with my hands and I was there experiencing what this was when I saw him. He says, for the life was manifested or it was revealed, it was here. In other words, he's telling you another account that Jesus was a real man. Yes, he was the son of God. Yes, he came here to this earth. He was literally here for 33 and a half years. And we saw him, we handled him with our And we says, and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Now, so I'm going to pause here and go back to the story I was talking about when I would hear of the accounts of the Grand Canyon or Yellowstone as I was being told. I've not seen it with my own eyes yet. I'd not seen these destinations, but I heard the testimony about it. And then once I, go, I went there myself and I saw how beautiful those landscapes were, it's no longer me having to believe the testimony of the man that was telling me about it, but I saw it with my own eyes. And so the, a lot of the children, uh, po, uh, children of God, we, we are, we're hearing about it, but there's only one instance or one thing where we can say, we are eyewitnesses to, and is that, that is the change that we know that has been made in our hearts. You know whether or not you've been born again. You know whether or not you've made, there has been a change in your life. You know that. And so, so John is writing to these people that have, did not get the chance to see Jesus. He says, but there's something that's different about you. And he goes on to say, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye may also that ye may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. There was purpose in writing these things. There was purpose in John writing to all these people and trying to deliver this message about a Savior that came to die for them and that their sin is, is no more, that they're no longer having to uh, wear the burden of, of the wickedness that is in this world today. John is writing this in such a way that says, these things which have been written should, be that, should increase your joy. Remember the sermon from a couple of weeks ago where Adam was talking about the emancipation, followed up by the next Sunday. Uh, Brother Charles got up and talked about how, how would, you, you know, would you really feel free if nobody told you that you were free? And does that make sense to you? I mean, would you really feel free unless you knew somebody had told you you've been freed? Well, we have a whole book that is describing to you how you are free in Jesus Christ. You have liberty in Jesus Christ. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We've been set loose. Jesus, Paul would close out that 15th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians and saying that we have a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're victors. And we have such liberty and joy in all of this. And these things were written for to tell you and me about it. Things that we didn't necessarily eyewitness, but we get to hear the testimony of the witnesses. And we should be able to take this and read about it and learn about it and follow these things. And in the process, it should increase our joy. Because there's a lot of things in this world that don't make me very joyful. I can get down about work situations. We were talking a little bit about that before we got started this morning. I can get down about my son not always obeying me. I can be upset that everything's not going my way. I still remember a sermon Brother Silas Ford preached here on occasion about uh, I did it my way. He did it. It's a great sermon. Go back and listen to it. I'm sure it's on our website. But you know what? It's not about getting our way. It's about his way because he is the way, the truth, and the life. There's things that here when you take into account what is written, it makes me joyous. When I try to do things my way, I remind myself, let's try doing it God's way. It's not about my way, it's God's way. So when I read a lot of the things that are here in the scriptures, does it increase my joy? Yes. Yes, it does. It increases my joy when I read about the Apostle Peter, 
and how many times he messed up and messed up and messed up. But yet, you know what? God was still working on Peter, which tells me that all the days that I live, God's going to be working on me. He's going to be working on you. You're going to have days, you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days. But you know what? He said he would never leave us nor forsake us. You know what that makes me? Joyful. It's joyful. He goes on to sit here and says, And this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. So I'm about to tell you, he's, he, Paul, John says, here's a message that was told to us and we're going to tell it to you. And it says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now, I'm not saying because you are following after in good works that somehow you have saved yourself and uh, uh, become a, somehow a child of God. I'm not saying all of that. I'm saying it is a pure testimony that if you're walking in the light, you are a living, walking testimony of the fact that God has cleansed you, God has washed you, God has sanctified you, and you have eternal life. It's an evidence for all of you. And so when you see that going on, we ought to want to encourage others that are of like mind and like faith to want to walk in that light with us and to be joyous about walking in that light. We don't want to be of the kind that says we have fellowship with Him, but then we're miserable and down all the time because we're kind of walking in darkness. We allow Satan to, we heard last week that we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We're not ignorant of the things that he would try to do to corrupt our minds, to corrupt our families, to corrupt our churches. So what do we do? We have to be vigilant and aware of the fact that if we say we're Christians and we say that we're trying to follow after Christ, but yet we're living in a state of darkness continually, we do not the truth. In other words, what is truth? Well, Jesus says... He's the truth. His word is truth. So we do not the truth. You're not, in other words, you're not following after the word of God. It amazes me today how, how, how often we can become so, uh, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago we heard a sermon about bitterness and anger and those types of things and how we have to be very mindful of the fact that we don't become bitter. Well, how do you, well, I would give you a tool this morning. If you don't want to become bitter, if you don't want to become angry, dig into God's word for a little bit. It is food for the soul. It is nourishment to us. It can help lift us in a way when even in our darkest hour. He says, if we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not of ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. John is writing this to say that not only have we met this man, Jesus, not only did my eyes look upon him, not only did I see the light that was bearing witness in the world, but he's also saying to his, to his people, the reason we're writing this to you is for you to take our witness account and understand that your sins have been paid for, that you're not living under this bondage anymore, and we are not to go around saying certain things in response to that. We're not, we're, we ought to just be confessing our sins. We have an advocate with the Father. This is the very one that he's testifying about up in verse 3, that this is the Son, Jesus Christ, that he was manifested to us. And hereby we do know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, and in him verily is the love of God perfected. I love that. <clears throat> when we keep his word, and we follow his word, and we do the things that he's saying, not only will your joy be full, but the love of God is going to be perfected in you, and then you're going to be able to use that love, and you're going to be able to share it with other people, and hopefully it lifts them up. See, that's kind of what worship is about this morning. 
This morning we've gathered together not in our separate homes, but we've gathered together in one location together so that we would worship together. And that our maybe the joy that each of us has could rub off on another person. And at the end of the day, it's not about us trying to please and all make everybody feel good, but it's all about us coming together to glorify His name. And while we're doing that, God can make us all feel good. God can bless us in a way. Because again... I'm in search for that well of springing water that's going to spring up within each of us. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. It is also uh, made a comparison to the Holy Spirit. But I'm also, I'm also looking for that never, that never thirst attitude. I'm looking for that never hunger attitude that, I, you know, when Jesus says, uh, when, uh, sorry, when the psalmist David would write, and we've been singing the song the last couple of Sundays, the 23rd Psalm, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, I won't be wanting. It's another form of having a need. We sit there and say, you know, I won't have a care in this world except for the love that I have for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he's my shepherd. And I'm not going to care about all this because He's the one watching over me. He's the one that's guiding me. He's the one taking me to the still waters and to the green pastures and carrying me through the valley of the shadow of death. It's all about Him. And because I get the testimony of, the, uh, of uh, John here in His Word, and I take it and I read it and I commit it to my heart and my memory, I can be joyous about something. Because no matter where I turn or no matter what I see out in the wicked world around us, and there's a lot to see. I mean, I've never just seen cold, hard murder, the most that we've seen probably in recent years, in the last several weeks. And I was talking to my buddy Ray Blanchard down in Florida. He says, he says Derek, you know what's so sad? I said, what, man? He goes, it's just going to get worse. Why is it going to get worse? Because the Lord, God's Word told us it was going to get worse. So in all of this darkness that is around us, I'm looking for the light. I'm looking for the, the Son of Light. Go back over to the book of John, over there, I believe it's in chapter 10, where Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. And in, Paul, in, in John's testimony is that in him is no darkness. He is light. And so when we think about how we're going to find ways to make our, uh, to, you know, these things that can make us just so full of joy, it says, these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full, continuing down in verse 5 of chapter 2, but whoso keepeth his word, and in him is the love of God perfected, hereby know that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. We often save phrases or catchphrases like, pick up your cross and follow him. Jesus himself wanted, uh, uh, would use that, well, take up your cross and follow me. If we abide in Him, we ought also to walk even as He walked. That's a big challenge. It's a hard challenge because we have this wicked nature that's also a part of us where, you know, we go back just a couple of weeks ago. I'm sure Brother Adam's going to get into this in his, in his, uh, as he preaches through Ephesians. But we're going to hear about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. We're going to eventually hear Brother Adam get to preach to us about that. I think we actually heard that actually a few weeks ago, I think about doing that, but we need to make sure that we are literally putting to death the deeds of the flesh. And this is the word that we use over there in Ephesians is mortify. We mortify the deeds of the flesh. And we have to kind of change. I've talked about this for several years now, but I think what we have to do is we have to change our mindset. And I think we have to actually seek it. I, there's a verse that is coming to my mind, and I'm not going to get it, but the word I'm looking for is pursue it. There's a phrase Pursue it. These things aren't just willy-nilly just dropped in front of you in your lap. If you want to have joy, you have to chase after it. If you want to have an uplifting, uh, if you want to have an uplifting family, that means you have to foster things that are uplifting in your family. You have to pursue these things. And what's funny to me is the more and more I look at it, as though. You can pursue, and sometimes it, if you find, you don't find. What amazes me is how God blesses us regardless sometimes. God blesses us regardless, and what we need to do is to recognize the blessings of God that are right in front of us. We, all we have to do is actively seek those things. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning... 
The old commandment is the word which we have, we have, ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true and in him in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. He's basically talking a lot of things about a contrast of those that say they are in the light, and those that, that are truly walking in darkness. He's trying to get you to start paying attention to the fact that you need ourselves need to distinguish darkness from light. And you need to recognize those that are saying, or I should say, going through the motions, but yet they're really the, the lifestyle, their attitude, it looks like they're just living in darkness. He's saying you've got to draw the different uh, distinctions here. He says, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness knowing not whether he goeth, because the darkness hath blinded his eyes. And these are the last three verses I just wanted to get to real quick. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. One of the best things that we can do to make sure that we have joy in our lives is teaching our children that God, even God himself, has cleansed you from your sins and has forgiven you all in the name of Jesus Christ. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him, that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him, that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. We can all sit here and say that we know we've overcome the wicked one. We can say lots of things like, well, I'm not in darkness, I'm in the light. You can say it, but are you living it? I think that's what John's trying to distinguish here is there's a, th there's a difference between saying one thing and then actually living it in every aspect of your life. So the only way your joy is going to be full is if you take the things that are written and then you actually apply them. That is the only way it is going to happen. You can't just say you know that Jesus was your Savior. He says you need to also be walking even as He walked. There's things that we must do. So in order for our joy to be full, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm going to end on this note. Quit waiting on everyone else to somehow make you happy. Quit doing that. Quit doing that. Adam told me back in 2008 when I was, uh, when I was struggling with something, Adam says, you're the only one in control of your emotions. So he says, if you want to be happy, be happy. If you want to be mad, you can be mad. But I've never forgot that because if you want to be happy, be happy. If you want to have joy, pursue it like you've never pursued it before in your life. Because the things that we have to begin to focus on is the fact that if I'm waiting on the government to make me happy, if I'm waiting on somebody else, the money or my, my work or anything, it's just not going to happen. It, the, the Word of God does not support those things. Amen. So what do you need to do? Begin today. I think that's, I, I mean that, I think that you find that just so many times throughout the Scriptures where, where Jesus is talking to His disciples where He says, take my yoke upon me on you take my yoke upon you learn of me follow me all these things that jesus says he didn't say do it even even when he even when those that said well let me go bury my father because they've uh, they've passed away he says no let the dead bury the dead you pick up your cross and follow me he didn't say wait till tomorrow or to the next day or let you go do all these things he said no start today take the things that have been written and let it fill you up inside and then your joy will be full. When you read these songs, a lot of these songs come very right from the Word. When I read them, they make me full. And they make me happy. We were singing Lift Me Up Above the Shadows. I was glad Sister Maitland called that out this, this week. I hadn't sung it in a long time. But sometimes I just want to be lifted up. And God can do that if we start pursuing His Word. May God bless you. Good morning. I appreciate the things Brother Derek has mentioned to us this morning about uh, joy and uh, about being more joyful and uh, where you can find your joy. Uh, I think some of the things that might be on my mind this morning are somewhat related, uh, might, might be somewhat related to that. Um, I'd like to, if we can this morning for a little while, uh, to think about hope. Uh, 
and the the word hope and how it's used in the scriptures and um you know today today there's so much uh and, and i think this maybe is the place where the, where some of what Derek, brother Derek, and i are thinking this this morning overlap a little bit you know there's so much despair and discouragement in the in the world today and i was i was thinking about thinking about that and and the you know thinking about some of that this week you know the the, the viruses and the and the lockdowns and the school systems and you know we got parents here facing things with school and uh teachers facing things with school and trying to figure out what are we going to do and there, there's to me you know it seems to be almost a, a despair and a discouragement and 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 I think, well, how do you overcome that? Because <laughs> to me, that's always that's always what I'm thinking about a lot of times is how do you how do you overcome that? And what are some things we can find in God's word? And what does God's word tell us? And the word and the word hope came to my mind. And then I began to think about a lot of scriptures and began to look and think about scriptures that I've read and uh, uh, over over time. And so we'll try to look this morning if we can for a little while. First of all, let me just mention this, and I'll turn to a, to a portion of Scripture. The Apostle Paul writing to the young preacher Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1 uh, makes this comment. And I think this is, this is a, in one sense, it's a key. Uh, and there's a, there's a reason why um, it's kind of like, where is your joy? Okay, what is your joy in? Okay, so 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and, Jesus Christ, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Uh, you know, and first of all, if we think about this in one sense, and I, I, I do, I have often used the phrase uh, and turned to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 uh, in preaching a funeral a lot of times and usually talking about the resurrection uh, and the fact that we we have a, a hope uh, beyond this life. And when I say the word hope, I don't want you to get the idea that I'm using the, the Bible word hope like so many people do. You know, I hope it's going to rain. I hope, uh, I hope things get better. Uh, uh, Bible hope is rooted in, and I'm going to use this phrase, the earnest expectation of something because it's built on a truth that goes beyond just a natural wishful hope of things you know i'm i hope i feel good tomorrow you know kind of the, it's based on a, a an expectation built on truth that we can find in god's word and so when 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 the apostle paul writes uh you know that uh, he's an apostle of jesus christ by the commandment of god our savior and the lord jesus christ which is our hope and so when, I, so when I use a phrase like in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I tell people at a funeral sometimes, to sorrow not as those which have no hope. Why do they have no, why should they not sorrow as those that have no hope? Well, people that have no hope, to them, death's the end of it. Uh, to them, the grave is it. Uh, you know, you live life, you go and ramble from here to there to yonder, and you go to work today, and you go to school tomorrow, and you know, and you just, uh, you know, there is no hope beyond the very moment you're living in right now. But Jesus and the Apostle Paul, uh, writing this to the Thessalonian brethren, says, Brethren, I would not have you sorrow as those that have no hope. Why? Because this is not the end of the story. This is not the end of it right here. It doesn't end at the graveside. It doesn't end at the, at the tomb. And, and so we can give a lot of hope to people that uh, even, in the, even in their moment of agony, I've lost a loved one, that there is something beyond this life that we're living right now. The Apostle Paul could say that with assurance. He had seen Jesus Christ after his resurrection. Paul, as, as Brother Derek had mentioned uh, uh, this morning, that uh, the Apostle Paul had appeared to him there and, and spoken to him and, uh, and called him to be uh, an apostle. So uh, Paul knew what it was to know that there was a life after this life. And, and he even mentioned in one place that he had been lifted up into the third heaven. He'd seen things that were unlawful <coughs> to talk about to, for him to even hear uh, that he heard there in that place. So he had an experience beyond just this life 
that told him there was a life beyond this life. And so he wanted to tell people, don't sorrow like there's no hope. Uh, there is a hope. Well, then, then I want to get over and look, at, look just a little bit. Uh, and I know Brother Adam will probably get to this in, uh, uh, sometime. Uh, I, <laughs> I, won't give, I won't give him a time frame because uh, Ephesians is going to, to keep him uh, so busy uh, it may be a while, but okay. But I'm going to turn over into the second chapter of the book of Ephesians for just a moment. And I want to look at a portion of Scripture we find there. And, of course, we're all familiar with Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. You know, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, for we are his workmanship. Uh, you know, one of the things that would, that would help us to have more hope is to realize... You're, you're the workmanship of God. God has worked in your life through calling you from a death in sins to a life in Christ. And, and we'll get to that a little bit more uh, later, uh, later because, uh, uh, you know, the, the Apostle Peter said this. He's, call, he's called us again to a lively hope. Uh, so we have a living hope, a lively hope. Why? Being born again from above. That's the reason we have a lively hope. And we're his workmanship. So do you realize today that if, that if you have a hope beyond this life, God has worked in your life. You're his workmanship. Man, I mean, we look out. Uh, do y'all ever, Brother Derek's talking about the Grand Canyon and the, uh, all these things, and you look at it and say, man, look at all the amazing things God has done. But then I want you to pause for a minute and say, God has spoken life into your very heart Christ dwells within you. You're his workmanship. Now, we can't even, you know why we can't quite grasp it? We can't see it. We can't see what God has mightily worked inside of our lives. But we are his workmanship. Uh, so he says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God wants us to do good stuff. <laughs> he wants us to do good works. He wants us to be a good uh, influence. Uh, I heard a preacher this morning on the, on the radio. I thought this was kind of, it was really interesting what he, what he made the comment. He says, you know, today, you know, we hear people say, uh, say the word good, and, and somebody thinks like, good, what's wrong with it? You know, because you don't describe it as being outstanding, fabulous, fantastic. But I'm telling you, good is how we describe God. God is good. And uh, I'll tell you, if God's good, then the word goods is a, mighty, is a mighty big praise. So we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus uh, unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in past time Gentiles, uh, this is Brother Adam has been talking about this, that there are both Jews and Gentiles in the church at Ephesus. Uh, and so he's trying to get them to see uh, and I wish, you know, this kind of a, kind of a change of subject, but, uh, but to think about this. What we're going to talk about here is how Jews and Gentiles have been made one in Christ Jesus, right? Well, uh, as, as we think about this, you know, you know that all the people of this earth, black, white, whatever color you want, we're all of one blood in Adam and in Noah we're, you know, so we, we are, we're all brothers and sisters. We're, di we're different branches of all one, of one big natural family. And so uh, it would behoove us to realize we're, we're, all, we're all in this uh, together here. And so anyway, he's, he's writing to the, the church here at, at Ephesus, Jews and Gentiles. He says, remember, ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by that which is the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. So he said, you Gentiles were one time called the uncircumcision by the Jews, which were the circumcised in the flesh. He says that in time past ye were, ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. Without God in the world. Do you know what? The message that you've been born again, that you've been saved, uh, that you uh, have been emancipated, uh, it gives us hope. 
uh, there was a time when the Gentiles were without hope. It doesn't mean that uh, there was a time, there was ever a time when they weren't chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world and part of the elect family of God, but they didn't know they were part of the elect family of God and they were without hope. Uh, and so, you know, you want to talk about how important the gospel message is to you and I today. It's just as important to us today as it was to the Gentiles that Paul was writing to at Ephesus, telling them there was a time when you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Why? It wasn't because you were not children of God, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, but you didn't know you were children of God, chosen in Christ. And so you were aliens from all the things that they enjoyed. They enjoyed the great wonderful message they didn't do they didn't do that great of a job in some sense with it uh, but they they were told that they were the chosen of God led out of Israel given the law service given the worship told about the temple told about all of these things how they could worship and how God was with them but the Gentiles didn't know that they were part of that too they had been a part of that all the way down through the line. But now the message has come. Now the message has come to them. And you're no longer without hope. Now you have a hope in Christ Jesus. But now, now in Christ Jesus, you, ye who were sometimes were far off, were made nigh by the blood of Christ. You've been brought into this thing. Why? Because one, Christ died for you on the cross, and two, now the gospel's going out to you telling you you've got hope too, okay? Uh, so there, there's a, a great, wonderful thing in having a hope that you know what? I'm not, I'm not alone. I'm not, I'm, not I'm not left that the grave is not the end of it, that I'm also a child of God, and now I, I've got to live and act like a child of God and, and walk like one. Why? Uh, because I want to fulfill the role that God has given me. I want to fulfill that role. I want to act and live like a child of the king. I want to live like one who's been called from a death in sins to a life in Christ and serve other people and live like he would have me live, doing good works. Why? Because he ordained that that is something we should do while we live here in this world, this side of glory, to live and work and act like a child of the king. So uh, there's a time when we didn't have any hope, okay? Uh, there was a time when we didn't know that we were part, and, and, and I can say that really, really well because we're Gentiles. All, all this bunch sitting here this morning, as far as I know, we're all Gentiles that, I've, I've said this before, I love, my, I love my friend that I haven't gotten to see in months now over in uh, Birmingham, Brother Eric Walker, uh, a Messianic Jew over there. He says, you know, there's just two races. He says, there's Jews and Gentiles. And he says, we've all been made one in Christ Jesus. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you think about that, it takes away a lot of the problems of the world, doesn't it? To just realize and say it like that and put it in that kind of perspective. Okay, uh, so let's turn over. Uh, this hope that we have is not just uh, for eternal life. It's not just for, in, uh, when I say eternal life, uh, I could turn over to Ephesians again. Uh, again, Brother Adam will get, will get to the, some of these things uh, as he's working his way down through chapter 1 and chapter 2. Uh, but he, he, as he's praying there in, in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, he makes this comment. He says in verse 16, he says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling there what is the what is the hope of his calling in your life and that the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saint saints you have you have a richness and inheritance and and he wants us to know that we have an inheritance and, and as brother adam said last week that inheritance is not all just out in the future somewhere it's right now we can enjoy the inheritance. Uh, we may be only getting, uh, uh, getting it in the down payment part of it now. Uh, we may be only getting just a foretaste of it right now. But I'll tell you what, we're getting some of it. You know, and that's, what, that's what's important for us to know. That he says his prayer was that their eyes might be enlightened, that they might know what is the hope of his calling. Uh, and what is the riches of the glory and the inheritance of the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his, of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power? There's something that we can enjoy today, the hope of that calling that he's given in our lives because he's called us 
uh, called us out and worked mightily in our life, okay? And so there, there's, the, this, uh, there's a time when we didn't know about it, but the gospel message has brought that knowledge to us. His spirit has brought us the ability to hear that gospel message uh, through having a spiritual life and a spiritual ears and spiritual eyes. And now seeing and hearing these things, the gospel message comes and gives you hope that this world is not all there is. And I, I want to turn over, if I can, real quickly into the, into the book of Psalms because I, as I was thinking and, and, and studying upon some of these things, I was, I was looking at some of the writings of uh, of. David David, and uh, and thinking about some of the things that he had he had written back over there in the uh, in the Psalms, and uh, and uh, want to turn if we can to some of that here real quickly. Uh, but in the Psalms, uh, uh, chapter forty-two uh, is where I want to start, and so he he tells us in Psalm forty-two uh, the these things: as the heart panteth after the y'all have heard this song right? <laughs> as the heart panteth after the water after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee. O God, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come? When shall I come and appear before God? Question. My tears have been my meat day and night, and they have continually say to me, "Where is thy God?" When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the, with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Do, do you ever... I, I, he gives us the question and the answer here in, the, in, this, in this portion of, of Scripture. That's one reason I wanted to turn here. He says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Why are you cast down? Because you're not hoping in God. Today in the world that we're living in and all the trouble that we're facing, all the things that are going on, where is your hope? Where, where are you looking to for answers, right? Is your hope in God? Is your hope in Him? Now, and I'm not saying God, God doesn't work through men and women and so forth, but our, our real hope has got to be in Him. He's got to be the reason that we've got a. Uh, 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 a reason for he's got to be the reason that we have a reason to get up in the morning and go on through another day and so he says why art thou cast down O my soul why art thou disquieted in me hope thou in God the answer hope thou in God for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance oh my God my soul is cast down within me therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and the Hermonites and the hill hill Mizar Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All the waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? God, I, I, feel, I feel cast down. I'm feeling alone. Why is it? To, why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As the sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me while they, while, they say, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? <laughs> you ever think that maybe some of our enemies say, Yeah, where's your God in all of this? All this trouble that's going on. Where's, where's your God in all of this? Look at all the wars and the fightings and the trouble and the sickness and disease and pain and so forth. And, and folks that want to put down uh, uh, your Christian beliefs say, Where's your God? Thou art, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. You know what? One of the hardest things for us sometimes to do is when you're cast down, hope in God. Trust in God. Keep trusting in God. He's, he's not left you. He's not forsaken you. He's not gone away. Keep trusting and looking to God because He's the answer uh, to to what's bother, to what's bothering you. He goes on in verse four in, in Psalm forty three, and I'll not read maybe all of that, but he asked again in verse five of Psalm forty three, "Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him who is the health of my countenance and my God." 
That, that was a theme with David, wasn't it? Uh, David kept saying, you got to think about the things that, uh, that maybe he faced. Saul was chasing him, continually trying to kill him and trying to seek him out, uh, hunting him wherever he might go. And he was, sometimes David would get cast down just like you do and just like I do. Sometimes we get cast down uh, about what's going on in our life. We get discouraged. And you know what the answer to our discouragement is? Hope thou in God. Trust in Him. Keep your hope in Him. Why? Uh, just, like, just like we tell people, sorrow not as those that have no hope. The same very thing that sometimes we're, that we're facing in the death of a loved one and the loss of a loved one is the same thing really in a sense that we face every day. Jesus Christ is our hope. Uh, that's what Paul said, which is our hope. He is the one that's going to, going to answer the question. He's the one that's uh, going to lift us above the shadows. He's the one that's going to help us to rise above the problems and the troubles of life. And we do that partially because we know this world is not our home. This world is wrecked. It's, it's wrecked with sin. It's, uh, it, that's the reason thorns and thistles have grown. And that's the reason we have to work, uh, you know, all the day long. That's the reason there's, there's pain and suffering and heartache because of sin but we're not going to always be here and we just have to keep hoping and trusting in the one that delivers us even while we're here uh, looking for that one that gives us hope beyond this life so uh, as we as we look at some of this I want to turn over again now if we can for just a moment and turn over to the uh, uh, the sixth chapter of the book of Hebrews uh, because there, the, there, uh, and and we could look at some other places. Uh, there, there's places in the in the book of Romans uh, where it talks about with patience and hope, talking about Abraham. And I I may look at some of that. But we turn over to Hebrews chapter six this morning. Uh, we find there uh, that after uh, after he tells uh, the, the writing to the Hebrew brethren, the apostle Paul uh, looks to them and talks about how the fact he wants to go on beyond. The basic doctrines. He wants to go beyond that and push a little bit further. Uh, and he says, and he says this, uh, beginning with uh, uh, verse verse nine. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you than to, than to do what? Than to bring forth thorns and thistles out of good ground. Uh, and that's basically what he's saying in the, some of the verses above that. Is that uh, uh, if we if we are if we fall away from these teachings that we've been taught. He says, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're seeing that you're crucifying your, the Son of God afresh and putting him to an open shame. And then he talks about how the earth drinks in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs, meat uh, for, them, uh, for them by whom it is dressed, receiving blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh to cursing, whose end is to be burned. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you. Why? Uh, I don't expect you to be bringing forth thorns and thistles because God's given you good ground to bear good fruit and so forth. And he says, But beloved, we're persuaded better things of you, things that accompany salvation, though, uh, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love, which you've showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. So he's wanting us to continue hoping to the end of, the, of our labors and our troubles and our trials here in this life. And he says... <clears throat> That we be not slothful, but followers of them who through patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. God's promises are yea and amen. God's promises of this, that this life is not all there is, is yea and amen. And so he tells us, uh, continue looking in hope. That's what Abraham did. Abraham journeyed to a land uh, that he had never been to before, uh, uh, a place he had never known. Why? Because God says, let's get up and go. I'll give you that land. Uh, but, you know, and, I, and I'll give you uh, that land as an inheritance. Well, that, for it to be an inheritance for Abraham, Abraham had to have a son. Uh, and Abraham was 25 years from the time he left Ur of the Chaldees to the time he had that son. Uh, that's the reason Hebrews chapter 11, if we went over there so much, it talks so much about patience. 
patience in the Lord. A lot of times we, we think of the Hebrews chapter of 11, uh, and it is about being about faith. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Abraham did that. By faith, Moses did this. By faith, the saints did this, this, and this, right? But almost every case, what I found in, in studying that back uh, some time ago was each and every one of those people had to patiently wait for the time when God would do what he promised he was going to do. And in the meantime, what they had to do is live in hope. Live in hope. Look, 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 trusting that God's word was true, that everything that he had said was going to come to pass. And, and the Bible there in that Hebrews chapter 11 makes the comment and says that many of those saints lived and died with the hope of a Messiah that they never saw. In fact, they lived looking for a city whose builder and maker was God, whose foundation was beyond this world, but they never saw the fulfillment of it. <clears throat> Yet they kept living in hope and kept living in faith. I, I think for us today, if we can remind ourselves, you know, when your soul gets cast down, and it's going to get cast down because life's going to try to drive you and beat you and hammer you and keep you from living the joyful life that you that God would have you to live, <clears throat> but how do we how do we do that? We keep living and keep plowing in hope. We keep you know that's what the farmers did, right? I say plowing in hope. That's what uh, Brother J D did back in here today. He would go out there and he'd plow that field up and he'd plant those seeds down. You know what he was hoping for? He was hoping for just the right amount of rain and just the right amount of sunshine. And, and he was praying to God that God would give him all those things in just the right measure. I remember, I remember as a kid growing up, I'll uh, share this real quick. You know, grew up down there in Mississippi, most of y'all know that. Most of you have never been down there where I grew up, probably, you know. You, but, it, but interesting place. Back in those days, there was a... Uh, <clears throat> Well, there was a black gentleman that owned the land right across the road from us. They were our neighbors. They lived right across the road. We were friends and neighbors with them growing up. He had a, he had a cotton farm over there, a, a farm, and he grew cotton over there in those fields across the road from us. And I've seen them plant cotton, and they get so much rain, the seeds rotted in the ground, and the cotton didn't come up. You have to have just the right amount of water just the right amount of heat for the crop to come up, right? And I'll tell you, that's what we're doing. We're living and plowing spiritually in hope that God's going to give us just the right measure of the Spirit, just the right measure of, uh, of the sunshine, of the Son of God. He's going to give us just the right measure of what we need so that a crop comes up. And I'm praying that God will bless all these little children that are here all these young children, that they might realize that they have a hope in Christ Jesus and they will act on that hope and they will live like children ought to live before their Heavenly Father and grow up to be a blessing to their community and a blessing to their family and that a good name is better than all the silver and gold in this world, that they might live that, live that way and honor not only their natural father and mother, but honor their heavenly Father and live in hope of a better day. May God bless you. Uh, there's probably a lot more I should have said and could have said, uh, uh, but uh, I hope these things will help you to be more hopeful when you're cast down, trust in the Lord. He's our rock. He's our salvation. May God bless you as we go throughout this coming week.